0: Uh, so it's a trending Tuesdays today, and I'm recording this, and I guess it's, it's, sometimes it's rending Reddit, and sometimes it's trending Twitter Tuesday. This Today it's trending Touched Tuesday, uh, because I went to the P.O. box, and there was a, a box in there from one of our listeners, a package, and they, they got it home, and I opened it up, and it was from a group of listeners, and it was a quilt And I can't say how touched I was to open it up and find it. So it was a a quilt, and it had uh, different squares made by different listeners, and I can't say how my mind is blown. And I've gotten some lovely things from some listeners, and art and support and stories and kindness. And this was just something I was not expecting and it's it's the fuel I think that just uh re, re, recombinant or recycles within the podcast and now I can give back to the rest of you. As you give to me I can give back or we can spread it around or whatever. Uh but I wanted to thank uh, uh Summer, Meg, Elida, Sally, Brenda, Harriet, Laura, Cheryl, Joe, Sarah, and Alexandra, Karen, Melissa, Vesna, Trish, Julie G, Julie F, Megan, Tanya, Julie C, Mike, Sarah, Jennifer and Ted uh who contributed to this thing and 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 say well geez, well, let's make an episode out of it because I said this is like what is this is where trends come from there's uh 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28 squares. And it came with this lovely letter, which uh, I don't know. I'll check to see if I could share it or I'll post it somewhere. But, but And I think it's on behalf of the rest of you listening that she said, a, uh, I don't know what to say, you know, uh, I'm not good at uh, this kind of stuff. And when I started this podcast, it was just in my gut saying, hey, why don't you try out this idea and see if it'll help people fall asleep. And this little scared kid part of me said, hey, are you going to follow through on this? This kind of seems like it could be fun and a good idea and it might even work. And then you had me, Drew, who runs the podcast, you know, with you know, tons of other feelings, of mostly contradictory to all that stuff. But, you know, there's these two voices that I've drowned out almost my whole life uh, who said, hey, let's just keep doing this. Hey, this is going pretty good. Hey, let's change this. Uh, You know, and man, this might actually help some people fall asleep or, hey, this is working and this isn't. Let's do this. And maybe that stuff was going on deep below the surface and, and above it. You know, I have all my ways of dealing with things. And everything that's worked about the podcast has been counterintuitive to the way I normally live my life, uh, starting with listening to my gut and listening to this more kid part of me, it says, "Hey, let's do, what could what could possibly go wrong if we just tell silly stories and try to make them lulling and soothing?" And, and you know me i said well i could, I could give you about ten thousand reasons." and then like I said, "Really, I don't know, let's just keep trying this and keep going." And I've kept going, and meanwhile, all this external thing has come in from people that the podcast is working for that enjoy the podcast, sharing, hey, just the words to thank you, or hey, this is what I'm going through. Thanks for distracting me, or I like this character, or I like the show, but could you could you change this part of it, or think about if there's a way to do this differently. Or, hey, I noticed this. Uh, wh- what do you think about this? And really, that's like, a, this has been, at least for me, a life-changing miracle, I guess, of uh, uh, the real guts of my life. Uh, because I, I was, I've was i been a person that's been terribly lost. Like, I know a lot of you in, in the deep, dark night, and mostly a night of my own creation of uh you know, drinking too much, thinking too much, worrying too much, and, and trying and, and, and kind of like turning my back on uh, life for a while, or just giving up. I guess it would be the, and saying, "Well, I don't know I, I, this." And at some point, just almost by accident, there was this little thing that said, "Well, let's just keep trying." And then it came, this podcast came up, and it said, "Just keep trying at this. Just keep at it." And then all of a sudden it went from this tiny little voice inside me to this giant community of people willing to prop me up on their shoulders and pat me on the back and say, hey, you can do this, you can keep going. Because without you, all of you, and even those of you that remain silent out there, I don't want to, I think that's fine too because you're listening and I can feel your energy as well. So w- without all of you, it, this wouldn't have been possible. This podcast and and reaching whatever we're at three hundred and something episodes. Or at some point, we'll have four hundred episodes, and I hope to keep going into it and say, "Geez, one day I'll be like, hey, we've done a thousand episodes." You know, so we'll see. But without you listening, and without you at least sending enjoying it. If it's just listening and enjoying it, or even loathing it and just listening, you know, without you taking the plunge to test the podcasts out, the podcast would have gone away. And then those of you that have gone and, and and gotten a hold of me, or supported the podcast by spreading the word, or writing a review, or sending me some money, or buying something of the someone that sponsors the show or writing about the show, or talking about the show. All those things, all those little efforts, they add up to something monumental. In, and, and I'm not just talking about monumental in, in terms of external achievements and in structures, because we're talking about a monumental change in the way I view the world and engage with the world. And when I talk to people that have known me a long time, they notice it and they say, And it's a subtle thing. It's not like, holy crap, you're a different person now. But I can see it in their face. these these friends of mine that I've reconnected with or family. And to have a chance to just help people fall asleep so that you can be at your best or just better or to salve or distract. That's counterintuitive. And now it's just such an honor. And that would have been something I would have turned my back on two and a half, three years ago and, and scoffed at and said, well, that, that won't make any difference or whatever. You can't make any difference. or And part of that's true because w- w- the only reason the, the podcast has worked is because of we. I just happen to be the one, you know, that gets to vocalize the show and put the show together but you all are the boar wave that's carrying the momentum of the show. And so I don't know how to put into words how grateful I am. And that this this quilt is somehow, you know, all of the other things, it's not to disregard or weigh anything heavier than that. Just this one has a real emotional impact for me on a gut level. Uh, Because it's a symbol of community and people coming together, and even people. My brother Ted, he's a fireman. He he did his quilt squares. You know they could get you. You know you know that's brave for a fireman to do, and I'm not kidding. You know, it's brave for a fireman even to listen to this podcast and to do your job. But everyone else, like oh man, so thank you so much. Thank you all you that have been listening to this show whether this is your second or third time listening, usually I don't get this sentimental and serious, but, you know, gratitude is serious business, and and, 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 and I'm just learning to, to let my life fill up with that gratitude or what I don't know. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. So I'm going to take a little break, and then we'll do a show. Right, so I got myself together here, and I figured I'd talk about... uh I I, I don't know, we've done stories in this show and tall tales. We don't do a lot of myths, and I just heard this myth when I was at the bus stop. Somebody was repeating it. It was night. And this myth goes that long ago, well, I guess this is a setup that the person at the bus stop was doing for the myth. Which I said, could you just get to the mist? because I don't know when the bus is coming and I'm already having anxiety about the bus coming. I'd like to enjoy this myth. He said, yeah, myths are meant to be enjoyed. And then they said, okay, we're not seeing eye to eye. But he, I said, go ahead anyway. And he said, long ago, uh, a young boy asked his grandmother, why is grandmother, oh, Wh well, how did the stars get into the sky and the clouds and all the things in the night sky? And she said, oh, well, it's interesting. Because do you know of the owl that ate the sky? Have I ever told you? And he said, no. She said, gather your friends around. It's time for a lesson. And he said, well, one do to your grandmother, is is, is the owl ate, how do we see? And she said, I will tell all the tale will be told tonight about the owl that ate the night sky. And he ran and fetched his friends. And when he returned, his grandmother was sitting in a chair. You know, they gave her the authority. The children gather around and You know, it took her, she said, you know, she used a different tactic than this, but very similar. You know, when they're all sitting, when you're all sitting still, I know you're ready for me to begin my tale. And she said, long ago, there was an owl. And she said, the tale starts before that. But she said, we should take a moment to thank the owl that protects our night sky. And then her grandson and she said which is the same owl that ate our night sky to protect it. She said the stars and the moon and the clouds are within the belly of this great owl. And at night when when the owl sleeps we who are not sleeping will see you know the stars and the moon and the clouds. And the kids used to be on it. They they started looking at the kid, her grandson. Like, what the heck is he? Is he? And they said, "Man, I don't like these these thinking myths. I like the, uh, I like your grandfather, simple air. He tells the ones that get you know that aren't so steeped in." Uh, and she said, "I will know you're ready when you're not talking amongst yourselves." And finally, the kids fell silent, except for her grandson, who he was precocious. Uh, He said, What was it? What's the owl's name that ate the night sky? And she said, The owl's name is Harriet. And they said, Oh, oh, how wonderful. And she said, Did you know the, the, the great gods that live and fly above us, that both surround our world and partake in our world? And they, you know, they asked about their faith. And and Nancy, you know, those are the more popular gods, you know. Owl owl gods, uh, this was the first owl god they had heard of. You know, surprised no one said who. But she said, you know, the gods have learned to love many of the things of earth. Many of the pleasures we enjoy, the gods also enjoy. And long ago... Up in the heavens, beyond the stars and the sun, beyond the seeing world, there was a battle between the gods. And she she, she let the kids, she, she said, okay. And they just kick what was the battle about? What was it? What was it? Tell me more. Well, she said, children, as you may or may, well, as you might not know. Most most battles are just adult foolishness. And the battles of the gods are no different, children. So this battle was seemingly over something as simple as tea. And the children said, tea, like the drink? Or the, and she said, yes, the drink tea that we all enjoy. And we have it in our cups. And even you children. And all the kids started saying, they don't like tea. I don't like tea. But I said, yeah. And she said, "Well, one day you will, children. You know, don't worry." And then she sighed. She said, "This is telling She said, "This is a long tale, too." But she said, "There was this tea maker, not far from here, two villages down." And then the kids, you know, she said, "A village that there's no more exists because they said, is it the village with the, uh, with the red roofs or the village with the blue roofs?'" She said, hmm. she said, the village was go, it was, she was, it was sent to the, was lifted with the, she said, I'll get to the, what happened to the village at the end, but it's not around anymore. Originally it was two towns down. She said, where the barren swamp is now. And they got to, they said, oh, the barren swamp were forbade to go to. And she said, exactly. And they the kids said, the barren Swamp, we're not, you know. She said, exactly. And then they said, well, why can't we go to the swamp? And she said, because it's swampy. Why would you want to go to a swamp, especially if you're unsupervised? And she says, some other clowns might tell you some story that the swamp has, you know, but there's other spirits or something. She's like, that's not true. We just don't want you going in the swamp. And plus, it's two towns away. Why? She said, Have you been swimming in the swamp? And the kids said, Yeah. And she said, No more. When I tell you this, she goes, That was the. the ta-. She goes, Okay. So, it, anyway, this town was known across not only our world, but the world was in the heavens of the gods for having the best tea in all the land. And there was one tea maker there named Karen. And they said, Karen, and she said, just just, trust me. And she made a tea special just for the gods. And she had a shop, and only the richest humans and the most fanciful gods would go. And Karen would make her special blends of tea. And her partner, Julie, would travel the lands in search of exotic premium ingredients for the tea. And then the kids, what what lands would she go to? She said, "Faraway lands, like Florida." She would gather sand and balms. And the kids said, well, "I already don't like tea out sand, tea." She said, "The sand is for the filtering of the water that goes to to water the tea plant in the palm trees." Or for fanning the tea plant to keep it cool. But she said she traveled to lands many times. And she even had special things called beach balls. And the kids said that with the beach balls. And she said they're yeah, just like the beach balls. And then the kids, what's a beach balls? And she said a beach balls is a rounded ball. She was much like your footing games, where you kick you kick the ball around about, you know that we make from, uh, and that uh, we we stuff with. And they said, "Oh, the footy game!" And she said, "Yes, the footy game." She said a beach ball is like that, but it has a much less mass. So uh, she goes, "It's only good for lazy birds that lie on the beach and do nothing." And Karen and Julie would keep those around, you know, for the gods would come and wait for the tea to be served to them. And they liked to have balls to gently play. And she actually designed a beach. And then the kids said, what is a beach? This was an inland place, you know. And she said, far at the edge of our world are these great seas, children. You've heard of the seas? And they said, oh, yes, the seas. You know, the seas of lost dreams and the seas of many sw- sorrows and the storm sea. And then some kid, and say, In the swamp sea. And she said, the swamp is not a sea, it's a forbidden place. But uh, she said, yes, uh, it would be And hey, the edge of the seas. There's some seas uh, that gods like to play at, for the water is calm and the sun is warm and they have soft, soft sand where you can lie and, and, and hit your beach balls around and generally have a good time. But anyway, back to this. So she had a beach, and she would serve tea to the gods. And she had the finest teas, but the thing about the gods are, they're. they're and she said, oh, boy, being more Nazi Christians. But they said, yes, the gods are tricky, and they, you know, Some don't like to pay, and some like to bully, and some like to seduce, and some like to make promises that come with a catch. And one day, when Karen and Julie were working, and Julie had just returned from another trip where she had gotten many strange ingredients, and she had many assistants with her, and, and... and they carried things like Marl and Robot and Crandall and Sniffle and Brangle Snurf and Gurf and Prowl and Permission Schimran. And many of these ingredients were from the the Alexandria region. And they said, Is that where and she said, Yes, it's far, far away. But she brought in these ingredients, and as she was unloading them, she was talking about their finer properties. When suddenly a god she had never seen before arrived. A giant god that looked so friendly despite its giant size. A giant god with a strange smile and empty eyes. Once you saw it up close, two small eyes. And she let it. She was, you know, trolling out the story or whatever you call it, feeding the line out. And the kid said, well, "What kind of god?" She said, it "Was a bear god." And he said, "Oh." And the kid started, and she said, "Not like that. A friendly bear god, like a giant bear cub god, grown up and and but never grown up in some sense." And then the boy said, like well, Grandfather, and she said, exactly, with his simple tales. But this god was no teller of tales, it was a bragger of brags. And it arrived, and it had its tiny little eyes. And some of the gods were playing beach ball, and they said, who is this about? And the, the bad god said nothing and popped the balls. And the gods, at first, they started to get angry, you know, and grab their cosmic weapons and jangle and bangle. And a few of the goddesses, they tried to say, or, you know, threaten his well and say, you know, I will deal with you. You pop my beach ball. But on the stomach of this bad god was a comet. And the kids said a comet she said, you know, they took it, it was this boring. But she said, You remember the occasionally the fly and they said Oh the flying tails, she said exactly And they said on its belly And she said these are gods, so they're not like humans, you know, they powers and things And the kids knew more of that was it a drawing? No, it was not a drawing, it was a comet just like you'd see in the sky. And they said, was it static or was it flying across the belly? And she said, both at the same time. And she said, just like that giant comet two years ago that some of you may remember, it was the God's eyes were fixated on it. And just like the comet from two years ago, she said, the gods, they, they didn't know how to interpret a comet on a bear's belly. They said, this is a what does this mean? And the bear said, "It means I'm in charge now. And they said, Well, no, God's in charge of us. We're gods. We do as we please, and we balance each other out. Our bad behavior balances. And then the bear, the bear said, Well, do you want a taste of my comets? You know, I could give it to you right off of my belly. And then the gods said, Because the comet was even making space sounds as it flew as it flew across the bear's belly but did not move at the same time. And now, meanwhile, back at the tea shop, which was this was all happening in front of the tea shop, but inside Julie and Karen were working very hard with her ingredients from Alexandra, designing a new tea. While Julie was meditating, thinking about Florida, which was why she made the speech for the gods. And by this time, you know the comic god, had to go to the other gods, all said, "Well, we got to go fix up our tabs, you know, because they'd learned that they paid the tea bills. If you wanted, you know, the greatest tea in the land, you paid in gold, hard cash, gold. It was in those days. Also, silver they would take, the platinum as well, I believe. You know, no trickery." But this bear said, where are you all going? What do you all think you're doing? They said, well, we got God stuff to do, you know. They said, you know, we should work on some demigods and uh, maybe play, you know, steal some sheep. And we don't even get where you came from. And the bear god said, I'm not of this world. I flew into my own comets two years ago. I flew over this place and had a good look, and I decided, you know, comics say travel at an incredible speed, but it's an incredible distance, and so now I'm here because I caught wind of this tea, and I'm here to taste some tea. And then the bear was a bragger, as I said, so he said, "Well, how much tea do you drink?" Blah blah. And then the bear said, Shopkeep bring me some tea." And it echoed across the land ten towns away they heard the call for tea. And people were grinding their teeth and holding their children tight. For they would never heard tea said in such an ominous way. When about tea the drink. You know except about tea the police systems but that's a whole nother ball game. And Karen rushed to fill tea. She said, well, what tea will you have? And the bear said, I'll drink your finest tea. I'll drink all your tea. And she said, well, this is the most popular among the gods. And then the bear drank all the tea, they, all the god tea they had. You know, there was a lot of work. This was over, you know, this is god time, children, so don't get distracted. But this was over many weeks. This bear god sat there and drank the tea and drank the tea and wouldn't let any other customers come, and all the other guards grew bored. Father Bear said, I'll drink more tea than you have ever been, you know. And at night, no one in the village could sleep, for the comet would blow bright across off the belly of this bear, you know, which everyone said, This is strange, you know. And after the bear had drunk through all the the number one tea for the favorite of the guards, the number two tea, The number three tea for the contrarian gods. And the number four tea for the people that can't afford God tea, but want to feel like God's tea, drinking tea. The bear said, I demand more tea. And I demand fine tea, for I've developed a taste for this tea. It's quite actually good. uh." And they said, well, haven't you had too much tea? And the bear said, I'll be the decider of my, you know, bring me more tea. What is the finest tea? And the bear had truly developed a taste and a sense for tea, for it sniffed the air and its comet flared. And it said, I sense a tea being fanned by the wings of butterflies, not palm things. And they were shocked, for they didn't even know, you know, they didn't really brag about how their finest teas were, you know, treated so deluxely. But this tea was within a greenhouse on the back side of the village. And in it grew the finest tea plants in the land. And to keep the tea at the perfect temperature, they had a, a, a butterflies whose gentle wing motion and spreading of nectar and general relaxability gave this tea a mellow taste with a finish that was unforgettable. And no one knew about this tea, for they were preparing it for the marriage of their daughter Vesna to an actual the, the butterfly god named Bernie, uh, which was his they, they said well we're marrying her off to Bernie, our, our lovely daughter. And they said that is the tea for our daughter's wedding she's marrying the butterfly god Bernie. And then the bear had a laugh, like, uh, there's a butterfly god named Bernie, that is hilarious. And they said, you would not, Bernie would be very displeased with your insulting them. And she is our only daughter, and it is with great pride that we marry her. And Bernie, despite his grouchy nature, is a loving, loving god deep down, and we want her to be happy. And this is a tea that I started growing the plants on the day she was born. And we've taken good care for one day. And the bear said, I care not for your stories. If you bring me the tea. And they said, well, it's not ready. You know, it has to be plucked. And we're preparing it for a wedding. And I told you no. And just then the comet fled. And this was bad, bear, despite its uh, strange nature. It was a cra- He said, I suspect there's something more to this tea than you're letting on, than just a loving gift for a loving marriage. There's something you're not telling me about this tea. And the bear said, bring me to the tea. And then they said, no, no, no. And then the comet flared. And the bear said, do you think I just have a comet on my belly? And they were both transfixed by the power of the comet for a moment. And the bear said, if I lose my patience with you, the comet will be the least of your problems. Now bring me to this tea. And now what what they had not told the bear was that this tea, the bear was right, this tea was very, very special, almost as special as the daughter. But not quite. But maybe even more, for they brought the family. They relented because the bass said stuff about the village, and the continent, and the seas have swole, So they walked down to the back of the village to the greenhouse where the butterflies, gently, whatever they do, motion to their wings. But by this time, they took a long walk, hoping that Bernie would come and defend them. And Bernie came, and it wasn't much, uh, you know, wasn't Bernie's best moment, we'll say that. So the wedding was called off uh, permanently uh, in his fictional tale, so nobody has to worry about Bernie the butterfly. But this is a different Bernie. And then Julie and Karen wept uh, as the bear stood outside and he said, "'Show me the tea,' I say. And they said, "'You are very mean for such a cute bear.'" The bear said, "'I'm not mean at all. I just want want this tea and I want it now.'" They said, "'Well, you are very selfish.'" And the bear said, "'You're correct. I am selfish. I'm a god. With a comet on its belly, I have a right to be selfish.'" And they said, what is your name? We never caught your name. And the bear said, are you buying time or inquiring? Me? They said, we're, we're both. They said, I go by Mumble Bear. They said, Mumble Bear. And then the children also said, Mumble Bear. And they said, Mumble Bear, you're not of our world, are you? For you're nothing like the other gods. And the bear said, you're right. And they said, per- perhaps you sense where this tea has come from. For the tea and our daughter are not of this world. And then the bear said, I thought so. I knew you were up to something. And they said, sit down, bear, and we'll tell you a tale, you know, about the tea within this greenhouse. And they said, long ago, when we first fell in love and moved here and started our tea business, it was small, and our dreams... Or just a dream of making tea and spending time with one another, supporting our fellow villagers and you know tea tea related stuff. Tea in the bear said move on, my mom, bear said. And they said in one day we heard this great thunderous crack from behind our home. And out in front of our home and behind our home was a strange floating Light moving around in an erratic fashion, and the mumblebas sat up and looked up at this. eventually it crashed in the side of our most uh, sacred tea plants, the ones of the gods that seemed to prefer at the time. It was a fashionable tea, and there was a great a great blast and then we went down to check on the tea after the smouldering had stopped, and we saw something where the blast had been. It was shiny and glowing, and there was a noise from within there, and the, uh, the god was wrapped to the mumble bear, and we approached. And then we saw a tail wagging, a tail of a cat, and we wondered, oh, we, we haven't seen a cat in so long here in our world. And then we heard a sound that only could be described as blubbering, it's he lay like that. And Mumble Bear said, tell me more. And they said, we, we said, hello, hello. And then the voice said in that same voice, hello, hello. I seem to have crashed my ship. Oh, oh. And we went there, and there was a man-boy, not that different one. He was much more of a boy than a man, unlike you, Mumble Bear. And he was in there with his cat, and his cat was licking his face, and then he started to giggle. And he said his name was Toot Timon, and his cat was Ponce. And the marble bear said Ponce, and they said, "Yeah, I think it's like uh, P- you say, Pouance. And I said Ponce, and then we said, "You seem to have wrecked our tea. Are you okay?" And he said, "Oh." Uh, and they said, oh, and then the boy, Timon and Blanche, they got out. And he said, oh, I'm a space a space commander. And, uh, well, I wasn't supposed to be out. Mother won't be happy with me. And they said, you've ruined the most. Where are you from? And he said, well, I'm from outer space, from the stars in the sky. At a place called Lannispold the in ending." Another world, another time. I'm not supposed to be, I'm not even supposed to be in space, period. But I met this man, he called the Podman. He got me mixed up in space stuff. And now I crashed my ship. And I wrecked your plants and I feel so terrible. What kind of plants did you, did did I wreck? And they said, you wrecked our tea plants. And he said, well, that's terrible. He goes, it's strange, though, because on my last adventure, I rescued, uh, I was in another world that I wasn't supposed to be in uh, because I was hungry for muffins, and I was in this muffin universe. And I thought I was going to steal a basket of muffins. And I accidentally stole a basket, but it was a bassinet with a little baby inside and we, and it was strange, the baby's holding a plant is still in the basket, I've been taking, but Sir Pouse has been taking good care of the baby and teaching me in the computer, and, uh, then they said, what is the computer, you know, there's a lot of explanation, children, that you don't need to know, this was magic, all magic, from some other god world, but the boy said, oh, and they said, what a lovely baby, and then, uh, they took the baby and they took uh, Sir so Timon and Sir so Pounce in. And they said, What is the baby's name? And the boy said, Well, the world the baby's from is called Visna. They said, Vesna. And he said, Visna. And they said, Vesna. It says it right here on the bassinets. They said, Oh, okay. Well, that, that's fine. And they took the baby, and they fed Tom, and then and, and they said, well, what are you going to do? And they, he said, could you keep the baby? Because he said, I think, uh, he goes, if Sir Pounce and I get back in the ship, he goes, the ship has a computer, has you know, Nino bits in there to fix the ship all the time, so it should be fixed, you know, now that you've fed me. But I'd be so grateful if you could keep the baby, because I thought it was, a. I need to go get some muffins. And then the boy and the cat were off, and we were left with the, our own child. And it was a wonder. And every day after that, it was happier and happier. And then the bass said, I need a tea, and I've had enough. So you got a baby and a plant. Was it the tea plant? And they said it was the tea plant within the walls of that greenhouse, which you will not step in ever. And the bear said really so there's more to this story And they said there is for every day after that was happiness until our daughters What we assumed you know we figured out we, we, we said we said well she's one it, that it was that we decided that was her name day. That's the term the boy used to Timin. And so until the thirteenth name day and then she became a, a different person for a while. And she said she needed to leave our world and go to worlds. And she became terribly upset. And then she started to wander our village knocking on doors and asking if anyone had seen Nikoa. And everyone was confused and they would say, what is with your daughter? And we would say, oh, she's, and we never, we had kept the tea plant at the same time. And we kept it in the tea house for we had tasted some of the tea and we knew it would be the finest tea in the land. But she was acting not well and then she became feverish and delusional, always talking about Koa and knocking and saying, I need to knock and find the dog. And then we said, I said, Well, what's well, she And I said, Well, maybe, maybe. They just needed a really good glass of tea and, you know, a cup of tea. So I went to the greenhouse, and in the greenhouse was a dog that I'd never seen before, a dog not of this world at all. And it got the to bear's attention again. They said, oh, "A I got a dog. And they said, I don't know. I said, probably a dog from, from the stars. For uh, I said, "What do you do? What are you about, dog?" And the dog said, "I'm here, waiting for me knocks And I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "This is my tea plant. It was stolen from my world, the Muffin World, and I've come to take payment uh, for the tea plant and the human child uh, that uh, that is bonded with this tea plant." They said, Bandit Wood. And I said, You owe me an eternity of knocks. And they said, An eternity of knocks. And the dog said, I've lived in the muffin world for so long and ruled it and kept away all the muffin thieves. And, you know, they've stolen all my other things from the world. It's just me and muffins. And the only thing that makes me feel good are knocks, and I've searched the world for knocks that would make me feel good. And I was waiting until this tea plant and the human child had grown enough, and then the human child, triggered by the power in the tea plant, would wander the world and knock on doors for me to enjoy. So I've come to collect them. And they said, well, you're not collecting Visna. They said, oh, yeah, I forgot the name of the child was Visna. They said, what, what kind of what kind of, uh, univ- muffin universe is run by a dog? And I said, well, don't you worry about it. And they said, well, you could have the plant, but you can't have Visna. And the dog said, I'll get my knocks one way or another. And she said, But the plant and the daughter are one. Without uh, without the, uh, the growth of this plant the child will not grow. And without my knocks, you know no good will sow. And they said, We're so confused we don't understand. I said, I'll have my knacks. And they said, What world do you come from? He said the muffin world, remember? They said, "Have you ever heard of a podman? And the the, the, the guy said, "No." They said, "Well, somewhere, a man named Tim and a boy man came named Timin and Pin once, and they had said they had been on a mission for the padman to steal your muffins." And they brought and they had brought uh, v- Vesna and the uh, Tea plant here to live with us, because he was irresponsible. So we've been taking good care of them for you, but we found ourselves becoming very fond. In loving our daughter now. And the tea is quite good, you know. And, it, and the dog said, it is the best tea in the land. But you understand the two are intertwined forever. But this is a very hardy tea plant, so you don't need to worry. But I'll be taking them, you know, so I, or because, you know, I'm I mean, gonna sit around and drink tea and listen to her knock on doors. That's her fate. And they said, "Oh, what a cruel fate for Vesna to just wander the world knocking on doors." She's being uh, uh, courted by a butterfly god right now, and we've told him to li- to leave her alone, you know, until she's grown. And we don't we don't much like the butterfly god, but uh, she's such a happy girl until recently. She's been falling around knocking, and uh, Koa said, yes, I know. And Karen said, you know, uh, I think I have an idea. You just want someone to knock on doors for You want to be entertained by knocks. Knocks make you forget you're the king of muffin, the muffin world. And Koa said, yes, I love knocks, and I love someone to appreciate knocks. And she said, well, it's strange because I recently had a God in, you know, where I make the tea for the gods of this world. And this God uh, was the God of uh, amor, of love and lust and fixation. You know, mostly the love, lust, and fi- Mostly the lust and the fixation. And since that God could not pay, I had to take its... Uh, She said, I have a plan, for this podman seems to be the cause of all your misery and ours now. If I could mix a tea that would make a man fall in love with the sound of knocks as much as you are, but much more so that he wouldn't have a need to bring you knocks, would that be fair trade so that we could keep our daughter we love so? And the plant uh, keeps her well and provides us with the finest tea. And uh, the Koa said, That would be fine. And I uh, like the sound of making this bad Man pay for having the boy come to try to steal my muffins and steal my knocking tea. That's the name of it, by the way knocking tea. And they said, Well, that's not a good name. No God's going to buy knocking tea. And co said, Well, whatever you do, I got to get back. I have muffins in the. Uh, our son oven, so send the podman, I trust you cause you seem like honest people, and so Goa got on its wonky star and shot off into the heavens, far, far away, and Karen and Julie brewed a tea that seduced a pod podman into loving knocks and keeping, so that that is how we've got the tea. They explained to, to the. To the backyard Mum Mumbleba But the tale had gone on so that Mumba had fallen deep asleep and was snoring outside and it was late at night and the comet on its belly was flaring. And the two women looked at each other and they said, Oh boy, where's well, this gonna be how are we going to deal with it? And they said, you know it's better off if we get a good night's sleep too. If we're going to have a crazed bear guy out here demanding the tea that is connected. Because the bear has an inconsumable. And she that said, that's not the proper thing, my dear. An insatiable demand for tea. There'll be no tea left, and that'll mean no Vesna left. So we must, we must soldier on and get some rest. And tomorrow we will deal with this pesky bear. So, children, we'll take a break now, and you can do go do your chores, and... Oh, you're all asleep as well, how wonderful. Oh, no, you, okay, good question. Yes, well, I know I, 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 I did ramble there. Yes, uh, but you can know you cannot have any tea. No, I will, you know what I will do? Is I thought of a funny thing, that Padman that has to knock on doors forever. Oh, no, he just loves knocks. Will he get partnered with Nax? No, I don't believe you can partner with her. It's just a sound wave. But he does. They also created a magical tea to make him say thank you a lot. So let's listen to that.